recorded in Revelation some 2,000 years ago. How does it all fit in today? Join us and find out next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Greetings and welcome to our broadcast. As we come to the end of February, we come to the end of our sneak peek, if you will, at our series, What in the World is Going to Happen? A look at end times. Today, we go back to a message we began last week. It's called The Destruction of Russia. It's a look at Revelation, what is prophesied there, and what it looks like here in the 21st century. With today's broadcast of Truth For Today Now, once again, our teacher and pastor, here's Pastor Phil Howard. I was told by one person the reason Jews learn to master money is that when you're always a refugee and always on the run for your life, the only security you can have is enough money to get out of town. So they had great incentive to learn money and to have money because they had to have enough to get out of Europe when six million of them are being slaughtered. A man asked me today, is there ever a righteous war? Is it ever right to kill another man? You ought to read the writings of C.S. Lewis because Lewis wrote a whole defense on a just war. I think World War II at least to restrain a madman like Hitler, somebody had to do something. Who would have stopped Hitler? Passivism wouldn't have. He would have just kept bombing. He would have had England, I'm sure, had Roosevelt and Winston not struck a deal, and Winston started giving, getting all these ships from America before we've ever got Congress to go into the war, before we've ever been bombed by Japan, old Roosevelt was sending our ships to help Winston, and yet we were not in a state of war. Those here that lived through World War II, as many of you have, and remember it, that comes the closest in my lifetime of being a, a justifiable defense to restrain a madman. But uh, here God says, I'm going to... Uh, so the nations that I've dealt with Israel for her rebellion. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will now bring Jacob back from captivity, verse 25, and will have compassion on all the people of Israel, and I will be zealous for my holy name. They will forget their shame and all the unfaithfulness they showed toward me when they lived in safety in the land with no one to make them afraid. When I have brought them back from the nations and have gathered them from the countries of their enemies, I will show myself holy to them in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God. For though I sent them into exile among the nations, I will gather them to their own land, not leaving any behind. I will no longer hide my face from them, nor for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. What a encouraging passage for a besieged Jew to think that God's going to do this. He will no longer hide his face. 
I must say that all of history is wrapped up with the glory of God. If God banishes Israel, if he sends them into exile, if he whips Israel for her idolatry as he has done, it's for his glory, for his honor. He even wants the nations to know, I scattered you because you, you were unfaithful to me. You abandoned me, I abandoned you for a while. But not forever. Because when you see the Old Testament, God puts Israel through discipline, through punishment, but he never can forsake her because he made an unconditional promise to Abraham, to David, in a new covenant with Israel. God says, I will never ultimately give up on Israel because I made a promise to their forefathers. Not because they're more righteous, not because they're the best people in the world. God says they're not the best people. Don't idolize Jewry. You ought to be in awe of the God that would be faithful to an unfaithful people. Just like he's been faithful to you. That God's promises and covenants don't ultimately get fulfilled based upon the great faithfulness of the people they're given to. He cannot lie when he makes an unconditional promise. And he promised Abraham, I will bless your seed. And he repeated it in 2 Samuel 7, I will put a descendant of David's house on the throne of David. There must be an Israel to the end of time. God, was, God seals 144,000 Jews, real Jews. Did you know most Jews don't even know what tribe they're from? The Cohens know because that's the priestly line. But Jews don't necessarily know what tribe they're from. God knows and he's going to seal 144,000 to be his evangelist during the tribulation period. But this scene, I'm going to bring down these armies. I'm going to let them invade Israel when they're least expecting it. They're catching their breath. They've been regathered from the nations. They're living in a sense of peace. Our cities don't need walls because we're safe. We don't need to carry weapons. Our Antichrist covenant maker is going to protect us. Let's develop the land and enjoy it. And right in the midst of that, this northern power said, I've got my opportunity. I'm going to invade. I'm going to get plunder. I'm going to destroy it. And God says, you know what? That's your motive. But I've got another motive. I'm going to show my glory and show my power when you get into my land. And I'm going to defend my ancient people. And there's going to be a horrendous battle. Uh, look at how the invasion ends. Uh, verses 18 and 19. He says uh, he's going to feed them. Uh, come together. I'm going to sacrifice you on the mountains. Uh, he calls out all these birds and wild animals. And he says, here, I want to give you a feast. I'm going to let you eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of the princes of the earth as if they were rams and lambs, goats and bulls, all of them fattened animals from Bashan. At the sacrifice I'm preparing for you, you will eat fat until you are glutted and drink blood till you are drunk. At my table, you will eat your fill of horses and riders Mighty men and soldiers of every kind, declares the Sovereign Lord. The Old Testament is awful bloody. But I found out mankind's awful bloody. 
They'll kill, they'll do anything to get what they want. But God says, you invade my people to slaughter them. I'm going to feed you to the animal life from the heavens and from the beast. It's going to be another supper I prepare. Armageddon is called the great supper of God to feed the animals of the air from all the death and destruction. Uh, Look what he causes. Uh, This invasion ends with his fury and wrath, great earthquake, mountains thrown down. Uh, He causes his northern army, all, all of them turn on each other and they kill each other. Flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. It's so bad that it says in verse 12, for seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them, and the day I am glorified will be a memorable day for them, declares the sovereign Lord. Seven months to bury the dead. Find them in all these crevices, all these mountains, It takes seven years to burn up all of the weapons. Seven years. That's why some don't think it will be in the trib because no Jew's going to have time to burn it up. They're going to be running for their life. But maybe not in that first half when there's still this sense of peace. Uh, Look, he says here, seven months, in verse 14, uh, they'll be looking. They'll search out bodies. As they go through the land and one of them sees a human bone, he will set up a marker beside it until the grave diggers have buried it in the valley of Hamon Gog. Um, Back here uh, in verse 9, for seven years they will use all of the weapons that were destroyed in this battle for fuel. Amazing. He describes it as shields, bows, and arrows, war clubs. So another mighty, mighty invasion in Scripture that we've never read of yet, never been fulfilled that we know of. There's been wars, but never this divine intervention where God causes earthquakes that makes birds fall out of the sky, where God steps in that you can't explain Israel was saved by jets. Israel was saved by her alliances. Uh, Israel was saved by United States jets. No, Israel was saved by their God. And he steps in. He said, this one's mine. I drug you down in this land, armies of the north that have always hated my people from Assyria, Turkey, and on. I will bring you into this land, and I will fight with you. And you will be fed to the birds of the air when I'm done. In seven months will Israel spend burying you, and seven years burning up all of the weapons of war you brought with you. When does this happen? Um, Is this going to happen tonight? Don't think so. Uh, But it's in the latter years of Israel. Verse 8, in your latter years... When would the latter years of Israel be? Well, uh, I think it's going to be the latter times, probably when God's dealing with Israel again directly after the church is gone. In the 70th week of Daniel that we talk about, a seven-year period that God wants to deal with the nation. I think those are the latter years. When I'm dealing with you again directly as a nation, right now, 
Israel is a nation in unbelief, a nation that is anti the true God, uh, is against Messiah. They are blind in their unbelief. But just because they're blind and just because they're wrong, I wouldn't waste my time hating them. We shouldn't have wasted our time hating any people as believers. But God's got a plan. He's, don't worry. God can punish Israel good enough without us being anti-Semitic. They have suffered plenty for the great mistakes they've made in history. They didn't know Messiah. They rejected him. They chose, we would never do this, but they chose to worship something you can see in place of a God they couldn't see. That's called idolatry. And you know what idolatry is built on? Idolatry, get these two words, image, imagination. Idolatry is when the mind imagines another power and gives something power, imagined, created between the years, that I give this stone power to be my God. Like I can give money the power to be my God. I could give this human being the power to take the place of God in my life. Whatever you say I'll do, I must have you. I must have this imagined power. Imagery, idolatry, is created out of the human heart because the human heart is an idol factory. It produces more gods than you can ever imagine. And it's images. And God said images have replaced the real thing. And I will show you what the images can do. They can do nothing to deliver you. Only a true and living God can deliver you. And in their latter days, even when they're, they're in unbelief, Israel isn't in belief here. Just in their land, God is going to deliver them from this northern power that invades. Because God says, I've got a score to settle for the northern powers of the Gentiles. And it's going to be carnage, and it's going to be war. Now, latter years, when they're restored to the land, I personally see 1948 as a crucial moment because we have it on the map. They are back as a people. They've, they've got their own nation. Unwalled villages. Someone said this is an ideal time to describe the kibbutz all over Israel. I think of um, Oded uh, Cohen in our church. His, he grew up on a kibbutz. His folks are still there in Israel. I mean, a very unlikely place to be protected. Certainly not a walled, defensive city. Uh, they'll be dwelling in safety. Uh, some debate this word. That is not necessarily safety, but insecurity. And it might be uh, at their own hands, they think they're, they're dwelling securely. Or it might be the effects of the covenant with Antichrist. Some way, they have a sense, we're well, we're safe. Uh, we're free from an invasion. And so the outside powers, they see that, that ease of mind, and they pounce on it. Um, so uh, when does this take place? Uh, the latter years. Uh, a time of great carnage, a great invasion of Israel. And so um, I think Bible prophecy makes you read. I, when I opened the paper today, 
uh, articles on Israel, articles on, uh, of course, uh, Iraq, but they had an article on Iran. Iran and Russia uh, will get closer and closer. Uh, and biblical prophecy points that everything's going to be run from the king of the West, European nations, Iran, Baghdad, Babylon, Israel. These are the players. And those northernmost powers north of present-day Israel, name them, Turkey, Russia, uh, around the Black Sea, look at them. I don't think we have to have the modern-day equivalent name. It's the ancient peoples that settled there. These are the people that are going to invade. And uh, so I, I'm, my best guess at it is that this will happen in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period when Israel is at peace, basically, because of an antichrist. Uh, others have different views. Uh, I want to be non-dogmatic and just throw in my guess. But I think it fits with some of these things. Willing to, willing to be wrong, won't even die for it. But I do believe it's going to happen. I believe it's future, and I don't think it has happened. And because it's the Word of God, God gave it to us. He wanted us to read Ezekiel. Did you know that? God expected you to read the book of Ezekiel in your Christian life. Because according to Second Peter, prophetic teaching shines as a lamp in a darkened place. It shows me where history is going, and I want to know it. And you say, well, I, I don't want to know all this stuff. Give me something practical. Well, burn half the Bible. About four-fifths of its prophecy when it was written. Just burn it. You don't make God's Word say what you want it to say. If it wants to talk about the subject, say, why do you want me to know that? God is going to be sovereign in the affairs of the nations, and he has a divine appointment with every nation. Now, something we don't know is what he's going to do with the United States because we have no prophecy about it. I don't know. I don't know where we figure in. Well, I think this is what I learned from it. Israel as a nation and people will have enemies who will seek to annihilate them up to the end of their history. There's always going to be somebody wanting to annihilate Israel if they could get their way. And uh, I don't know, would that affect your psyche? Let's say, um, uh, let, let's make it uh, an Anglo thing. Is if as an Anglo, and that's not fair, well, yeah, maybe so. Let's say we're uh, two million Anglos, but we know that 40 to 100 million different ethnic groups, 100 million, want to kill us because we're Anglos or we're African-American. Use it any way you want. Would that affect your psyche? To every night when you put your children in bed, just knows that, I, honey, you must know you will grow up being hated because you are this color or of this race. And it's happened with many races of different kinds. To be in Northern Ireland, and say, if you're Protestant or Catholic, just know that the opposite group may kill you. Be safe. Stay in the right neighborhood. And this Jewish mindset, I think, uh, 
We ought to seek to show love and kindness to a people that have been besieged. And according to Deuteronomy, they have been nervous wrecks. Boils have covered their body. They've eaten their children under sieges because the things, the curses of Deuteronomy have fell on Israel. And we're careful around here. We don't rob Israel of her promises because we don't want her curses. We don't take her curses, and we don't rob her of her promises. I've never been under the curses of Deuteronomy 29, but they have. So I just say that uh, we should pray for Israel, pray for the peace of Israel, pray for the peace of all people. Uh, God is going to intervene to fight against this enemy, to show off his power and his glory and his wrath. You see, for 1900, 1,900 years, God has not entered in the ring where that when he steps in the ring, you know he's wearing uh, the badge, God. This is God. This is me. Uh, this won't, won't be a secret. This is me. Come on in, northern powers. Come on right on the mountains of Israel. As soon as you get there, I'm going to fight with you. You want to mess with this people that aren't bothering you? They don't start the war here. They're minding their own business. You invade my land? Come on. And when I'm through, even Gentile pagans, Peter Jennings would have to say, this was God. The nations say it. Because I'm going to show off. I am no mamby-pamby, wimpy God of Abraham. I am a sovereign God that can command birds to move, mountains move, earthquakes move. Let me tell you, saints, this is a powerful God, whether you like it or not. He is in charge of everything. Nothing moves, breathes, or comes to its end without his purpose being served. I mean, no wonder they said in Proverbs, the fear of this God is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. Until you've got enough sense to fear this God, you are a fool on top of a fool. This is a mighty God that I don't think we display because we don't want to take him out of the box and show this generation this side of him because they may not want him. They don't want him anyway. Changing what he looks like won't make man want him. Tell them what he is. Tell them what he is. And if you don't want God, you don't want that to the damnation of your soul. God never needs makeup, and he needs no camera lights to doctor him up. I am God. I will give my glory to none other. I will protect my name on the mountains of Israel, and I'll face Abraham in the millennium and say, I kept all my promises to you, Abraham. I intervened when the nations would have annihilated my people Israel. Our God is not impotent, but omnipotent. He refuses to be unknown and unrecognized by the nations. If he doesn't get known by Billy Graham, he'll get known in warfare and in power. So, fear God, flee God's wrath, welcome this time of grace when God stands with outstretched arms to save. Our series is simply entitled, What in the World is Going to Happen? 
It is a small look at a larger series, a prophetic series, taking a look at end times. And we're only able to bring you a portion of it here in the month of February. The entire nine-sermon set is available for a gift of $15 or more when you contact us here in the month of February. If you would like the book that accompanies this, also written by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, simply ask for it by name when you contact us, What in the World is Going to Happen? And for a donation of $25 or more, we'll send the book along as well. For a copy of today's program on CD, simply get a hold of us and we'll send one out to you, no charge. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. That's 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As always, you're welcome to visit Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We'd love to see you and spend time with you face to face. Services are at 9 and 11 Sunday mornings. Details and directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again by simply calling 855-833-9864. This broadcast is available here on KFAX on a weekly basis as you come by and sponsor us financially and prayerfully. Linking Arms with Us continues the broadcast of Truth For Today here on KFAX, reaching thousands here in the Bay Area for the gospel of Christ. Further information can be had when you contact us at 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next week for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.